Welcome back to the Lions College Football Podcast. I'm Brett Gibbs with thelines.com, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Kelly Ford. Kelly, thanks for coming on back for yet another edition of some game previews. How are you feeling about this weekend's slate? I'm feeling great, Brett. It's always a good slate of college football. We got lots of midweek games now at this point in the season. Excuse me. And then Saturday is jam-packed, as it always is. This is not the time to be doing other things on Saturday. There is way too much happening. We've got some big rivalry games this weekend. We've got some big games that have conference championship uh, implications, CFP implications, all of that on tap this week. But first, I know we've got some good midweek games that we got to cover. So I'm doing great, man. It's hard not to do great when I'm talking to you and we're talking college football. Yeah, and before we get into it all, don't forget to follow the lines on Twitter at the lines US. I'm at Road to CFB, and Kelly's work can be found at K Ford Ratings. We'll still be here every single week breaking down the college football slate as well as the individual weeknight games, and that's what we're here for today. We're back with some more midweek Conference USA action and some Thursday and Friday night matchups as well. Kelly, cherish it. We've only got two more weeks of this midweek Conference USA magic before they hand the baton over to the Mac, and it just keeps on rolling. But let's start over there in Conference USA with New Mexico State, a three-point road favor at UTEP. This game carries an over-under 47.5 points, and it kicks off Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. I love rivalries. I love rivalry names. This one's got a good one. It's the Battle of I-10. And despite being way out in the middle of, uh, I don't know, the desert, I'm not going to say nowhere. El Paso is a pretty big city. But in the desert southwest, these schools are actually just 40 minutes apart. Uh, I've made that drive before. It follows the U.S.-Mexico border. It's very interesting, very picturesque. I absolutely love the Sun Bowl, uh, one of my favorite venues in all of sports, really, even transcending college football. I'm, I'm glad that it's here this year. Their first meeting, way back in 1914. The reason I bring this up is because it was between New Mexico A&M, and I had to check this one. Texas State University of Mines and Metallurgy, now known as UTEP. Look, I'll be upfront. I bet New Mexico State money line earlier on uh, at three, three and a half, though. I probably lean the other side on UTEP. Look, it's a home dog in a rivalry game. Uh, that's always good for leaning the points there at home. I need to know who starts at quarterback for UTEP, though. Cade McConnell, uh, the, the Brett Favre that they pulled off their bench last week that we all, of course, saw coming. Uh, he will be in line to start if Gavin Hardison can't go. That's what Dana Dimmel said. Uh, that's all he's given us. I don't know if that means that if Hardison is healthy and suiting up, that Hardison starts. I probably wouldn't do that. I'd probably roll the hot hand right now. But, you know, after that first quarter, as exciting as it was, it did kind of die down. Maybe it was adjustments by FIU. But it looked to me like UTEP could have just continued slinging it down the field. I don't think FIU had the defensive backs to keep up with them. He uh, McConnell started 5-for-5 five five for a buck seventy-five in the first quarter. And then he had 87 passing yards on just six completions the rest of the way. He had a couple of throws that should have been interceptions that he got away with as well. Maybe it was Dimmel's choice to go conservative. That really wouldn't surprise me if that was a choice there. On the other side, Diego Pavia, one of my favorite players to talk about. He has four straight games of 70 or more yards rushing. Three of those went for 95-plus, and he's had a run of at least 40 yards in each of the last three games. Not really actionable, but I thought that was interesting anyway. And then on the defensive front, UTEP actually has a really nasty pass rush duo. Uh, Maurice Westmoreland and Praise, I'm, I had to go up and look, look up the, the uh, pronunciation of this, and I'm still going to get it wrong. Amahuli? Amahalui? I, I'm messing that. I'm so sorry. He's, he's a beast. I, I should know how to pronounce that name. It's a difficult one. Uh, they're two of the top three 
in terms of pass rush win weights in Conference USA, and Westmoreland leads the conference in sacks with five. Really, the entire front four is very effective this year. They have almost a 10% sack rate, which is 13 nationally. And if UTEP hits those explosives early on again, look, they're in business, uh, you know, if they even attempt those. Brett, listen, you should know by now, week eight here, I can't help you on the names, man. I give you credit for trying. I roll with it. It sounds good to me. I don't get that deep with the names. Um, But I am always down for rivalry games in college football. That's what we have here, as you mentioned. Uh, This one has a watchability score of 3.4. Again, that's on a scale of 0 to 10. Uh, My numbers have this as a pick though, Brett. It's a 51% win expectancy for New Mexico State on the road. At 4-3 and overall and and 2-1 in Conference USA play, this is the best uh, New Mexico State's resume has looked all season. Uh, Better this week than it has any previous week coming into a new set of games. And with a power rating of minus 12.6 and corresponding ranking of number 113, this is the best the Aggies have ha- have been in the predictive numbers as well. So they're still below FBS average. They're still below number 100 in the power ratings. But this is the best the Aggies have been all year in the view of the model. Uh, the Aggies offense is currently ranked a season high number 62. The defense, though, is a dreadful number 124, Brett. That is bottom 10 in the FBS UTEP snapped a four-game losing streak with a 27-14 win at FIU last week. The Miners are currently power rated number 119. They have the number 107 defense, the number 117 offense. Everything's in the 100s, man. Like This isn't high quality, but it should be competitive at least with the pick'em line that I have. The offenses should have the advantage on both sides in this one, but it's the New Mexico State offense that is by far the best unit in this game, and I think that could be the difference. With a win, New Mexico State's chances to reach the Conference USA Championship game rise to 19%, but that is still a far cry behind Liberty at 98% and Western at 81%. So bottom line, I have it as a pick'em, Brett, 51% win expectancy for New Mexico State. Oh, you talk about Liberty, I a little peek behind the curtain. We're recording this on, on Tuesday night, and they're actually currently in a, in a good fight with Middle Tennessee right now. Big shootout. They are. Um, may, do you think, just, just off the top of your head, do you think that will have big implications or probably not because we're still looking at probably you know an, uh, an expected 11-1 Liberty team? Yeah, so if I go to the conference championship or the, the team dashboard leverage page, even with Liberty losing, if, if they were to lose – in this game against Middle Tennessee, I still have their chances to make the Conference USA Championship game at 88%. Now, that's okay. driven largely by the fact that their power rating hasn't been adjusted. And so if you know they lose this game and they look bad doing it, their power rating will fall, and therefore their chance to win these games down the stretch will fall as well. But they're still going to be one of, if not the favorite, to make or to be the host of the Conference USA Championship game, even if they drop this game by my numbers as things stand. Sure, and that's not actionable. Tomorrow, people will know exactly what happened with this game. In an hour and a half, people know what happened with this game. So uh, we'll, we'll move on with that. But I do like the home dog with the points and rivalry uh, at this juncture. So I'll probably take UTEP with the points at or above plus three. If you're getting below plus three, I'd look for the best money line offer on New Mexico State. Moving forward, this, this one I think is, is really interesting. Uh, real sickos in terms of interesting. We have Rice on the road at Tulsa. And Tulsa is a three-point home favorite, carries an over-under of 57.5 points, kicks off Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Quarterback Carnell Williams had a, one explosive game. I remember watching the first half of it against an awful, awful Temple defense. But otherwise, he's been pretty bad. In three other starts this season, he has no touchdowns thrown, five picks, 44% completion rate. And uh, Rice isn't nearly as bad defensively as Temple. They're not great. 
but they're not Temple. Preseason starting quarterback, Braylon Braxton, he did return last week in the fourth quarter, but they haven't announced a starter yet, and he's missed a majority, I think, pretty much all this season. I think he was in for the first game, got injured then. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it does depend a little bit. You know, if Braxton plays, he's a bit more experienced. You know, he was the preseason starter, uh, but Carnell Williams has, has been pretty bad if he's the one playing. Uh, Tulsa has two FBS wins this season over Temple, like I had mentioned. That's the 128th ranked uh, per my aggregated power ranks. And over Northern Illinois, but that was thanks to a muffed kick in the fourth quarter. Uh, you're talking about postgame win expectancy. Tulsa was not expected to win that football game. They got a little bit of luck there. Um, I'm going to be honest here. Kelly, I, I think I like Rice out, outright on the road. I, I, I know, but it, when I break them down, they just seem like the better team to me. JT Daniels right now, he's second in the American in passing yards, third in passer rating, third in yards per attempt. He, I mean, <laughs> he was a former prized recruit, and now he's playing at Rice. So, yeah, yeah of four, course he's four, doing well. Four schools ago, he was. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Uh, even in the transfer portal, I think he... He was. Was he a four-star transfer? I don't know. Either way... Yeah, he was. He's he's definitely punching down and, and making the most of it. Uh, but I just think that Rice overall is just a better team in almost every phase of the game on both sides of the ball. Tulsa's the worst... Or, I'm sorry, the eighth-worst coverage team in the country. They're bottom 25 in tackling. A big matchup, though, I like here. Safety Jace Oliver versus wide receiver Luke McCaffrey, who lines up in the slot quite a bit. Oliver's less uh, allowed under a 20 passer rating. He's three interceptions, giving up no touchdowns while in that slot coverage. McCaffrey, on the other hand, he's about a 75-25 split in the slot versus out wide. I'm interested to see if he gets game plan more out wide against the other Tulsa corners because those four other primary defenders on Tulsa besides Oliver, allow greater than or better than 100 passer rating when in coverage. So if I'm looking at that, I'm probably putting my best wide receiver out wide. Uh, we'll find somebody else for the slot to kind of bait uh, Oliver out of position there. Like Rice's, uh, I, I like Rice's quarterbacks, their pass-catching weapons, and their defense better. Uh, I also think they're the better coach team. So that's just kind of my assessment of that. I, I think i take Rice out, right? I made a joke, Brett. I mean, JT Daniels is at his fourth institution. This this man started playing college football in 2018. Um, I mean, it's been a minute. Uh, USC, Georgia, West Virginia, now Rice. Like, he's well traveled, and yeah, he has a lot of experience here. And I expect him to be uh, a playmaker for this Rice team and in this game. This game has a watchability score of 4.4 for me. I though Brett by the numbers have Tulsa minus four and a half. It's a 63% win expectancy. One of my favorite Josh Pate sayings is don't lose the food. Well, don't lose the food here at Tulsa. I mean, that's all you have to do this week. Just don't lose the food. I I, I just love it. Uh, K-Ford rating of minus 6.6 and a corresponding ranking of number 93. This is the best Tulsa's predictive measures have been all season. It's due largely to the defense being power rated right now at a season best number 88. Um, and the offense is power rated currently at a season low number 93. Uh, Rice is currently power rated number 100. They have the number 75 offense with JT Daniels there. That's good enough to be competitive in this conference, but with the defense at a lowly number 123, that is not good enough. The offenses should have the advantage on both sides of the ball or on both sides in this one, but the Rice defense is by far the worst unit on the field by my numbers. That plus the home field advantage uh, could prove to be the difference in this one. There isn't much conference championship game leverage in this one with SMU and Tulane being the big favorites and the winner of UTSA FAU this week, primed to move into that third position. But bottom line, Tulsa minus four and a half. It's a 37% win expectancy for Rice in this one. So just, just to jump in on the, on the home field advantage really quick. Um, it seems to be at historic lows because 
players are more traveled, it's less regional. When it comes to this level of competition, and, and this isn't a direct dig at Tulsa, it's just a fact. They, they don't have a lot of people that go to their games. It's not a loud stadium. Uh, it's just not. It, I don't know that I factor in home field advantage as much. Uh, I didn't take out home field advantage entirely like I do with regional MAC games because there's still factors of you have to travel, you can't sleep in your own bed, you have a different regiment, you know, you're uncomfortable, you're in a different city. I don't know that I'm really using home field advantage to slant this one, though. I, I don't. Like, typically people will say, hey, account for two and a half points or three points for, for home field advantage. If you're handicapping two and a half points or three points for Tulsa at home, uh, it may be overestimating it just a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just underthinking this one, but I think Rice is a better football team. I'm, I'm going to take Rice outright for that one. Put me on a neutral. I still got Tulsa minus two and a half. So there yeah, we go. Yeah, for sure. Good. That's what yeah. the model has. Two, yeah. two point, I'll, I'll take two points. That, that's, a, that's a fine home field advantage just for the fact of the, the traveling and, and, and the uh, being uncomfortable with it. So, yeah, but we'll see. I don't know. Rice outright. Uh, moving forward, still competitive games. This is a really competitive slate in terms of points right here uh, until the last game. But we have James Madison, a three-and-a-half-point road favorite at Marshall. This game carries an over-under 50 points, and it kicks off Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. This did open up James Madison minus two and a half, and I was not quick enough to get on that. I wanted it, uh, but that was gone in a in a second. And the under has also been bet down from forty two, or I'm sorry, fifty two and a half to forty nine and a half in uh, some spots here Tuesday night. The best unit for James Madison this year, by the way, wagon. Let, let's just say overall, this team is a wagon. Just the, the way that they pasted. Georgia Southern last week. Love it. Um, yeah, right. The best unit for this Dukes team, though, I think is their defensive front. They have a 9.1% sack rate. That's top 20 nationally. Edge rusher Jalen Green, he's a beast. He leads the Sun Belt with nine sacks. That's the second most nationally. And he just dominates in all aspects of the game. You look at pass rush win rate. You look at PRP. You look at QB hits, pressures, all that stuff. He's just a menace. There's a lot of strength versus strength in this matchup, which I think is great. That's why the, the, the spread is so close. Neither offense is really efficient at rushing, uh, and both teams have very good pass defenses. So if you're looking to funnel the ball through the air, both teams are well-equipped to defend that. But the difference for me here is James Madison is second in the nation. Rush EPA allowed on the year. 1.4 yards per attempt is what they are allowing on this season. That's the best in the country by a pretty healthy margin. And when you look at uh, Marshall... I think the best player on their offense is Rasheen Ali, their running back. So if they want to be able to run through that, even if they have not been all that efficient this season, James Madison's not going to let that happen, barring some very surprising thing. Look, they have not allowed 100 yards on the ground from an entire team this season. Granted, Ali is the best running back that they faced this year by, I think, a pretty healthy margin. He's 11 touchdowns on the season, which is the second most nationally. And he's had at least two touchdowns scored in each game on the ground, except against NC State, we only carried the ball 14 times because NC State scored almost 50 points in that game, so the ball was kind of forced out of his hands. Defensively, Marshall's taken a huge, huge hit the last few weeks. I mean, overall in the season, but especially in the last three weeks, they're allowing 39 points per game in their last three games. Uh, they're certainly uh, missing Lance Guidry, who's out. He, he had the cup of coffee in uh, Tulane, and now he's at Miami coaching up a defense that's pretty disruptive this season. They fell from fourth overall to 54th in defensive points per drive surrendered uh, from last year to this year. Something has to give here, though. I talked about how they're inefficient at rushing. 
Uh, you have Marshall's uh, run defense is 116th in EPA per rush. James Madison, 124th free, uh, in EPA per rush on offense. So one of those two things has to give. Either James Madison's going to be able to move the ball or Marshall's going to get a little bit of a boost to that run defense here. And then quarterback Jordan McLeod coming off his best game of the year, but I'm interested to see how the game plan approaches this. 6.4 out of 10. That's the watchability score here. It's a top 20 game of the week for me, Brett. I feel like I've been catching – few strays on social media for not quote respecting the G5 or for having power five bias in the model. Listen, I'm looking at my most deserving rankings. Let's start with James Madison. I have a number 18. Like I got the Dukes ranked. I have air force number 24. I have Tulane number 28. I have Liberty number 31. Like there's no disrespect for the G5. Like I'm, I'm well, sorry it's that it's, it's it's because you don't have their game rank number one or number two. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry that like I don't have your team power rated in the top ten. Like, what are we looking for here? Like, I've never been accused of being a G five hater. I feel like that's come out of the woodwork here recently, and I'm really not sure why. But anyway, I like James Madison a lot. They're they're my favorite G five team this year. They're a lot of fun. They're still in year two of their transition. Um, I can't stress enough how much of a shame it is that James Madison is ineligible for the Sun Belt Championship game. I understand it. It's the rules. I get it doesn't mean it sucks any less for James Madison and their fans and what this team is achieving. In this game, I have James Madison minus four and a half. It's a 63% win expectancy. I mentioned it. The Dukes are number 18 in my most deserving rankings. There's only a 52% chance that the average top 25 team would be 6-0 and against their schedule. That's number 14 nationally. James Madison has 2.2 more wins than my preseason realistic expectations projected through week seven. That's number two nationally behind only Texas State, another G5. With a power rating of 4.0 and a corresponding ranking of 44, this is the best the Dukes have been in the predictive metrics all year. The offense is power rated a season best number 55, and the defense is power rated a season best number 40 as things stand right now. Simply put, this is the best team in the Sun Belt. This is the best team, um, not the best team in G5 for me from a power rating standpoint, but the best resume in G5. So sorry if I misspoke on that earlier. They have a 15% chance to finish 12-0 and by my current numbers. For Marshall, they're number 82 in the power ratings. That's the worst they've been power ranked all year. Two weeks ago, the Thunder and her defense was ranked a season high number 33. Back-to-back losses on the road at NC State and Georgia State. This unit has now fallen to a season low number 59 for me. The offense, though, is power rated at a season best, number 87. Uh, so, again, not great, but it's the best they've been all year on that side of the ball by my numbers. These are the two best defenses in the East Division. And while this game is in Huntington, James Madison should have the advantage on both sides of the ball by my numbers. Uh, and with the win here, Marshall's chances to win the East rise to 21%, which honestly isn't too far behind the current leaders. I have Georgia Southern right now at 28% before they play a game this weekend. So that East is very congested. If James Madison was eligible, it'd be even more so. But bottom line, I got James Madison minus four and a half. It's a 37% chance that Marshall puts an end to their two-game losing streak. Uh, yeah, so I was just doing a quick Google search with, uh, with Marshall and James Madison, how close they are. And I feel like this could blossom into like, a fun regional Sun Belt match like rivalry. They're Definitely. less than five hours apart, which if it was by the crow flies, I'm sure it'd be a lot faster, but because you have to drive through the West Virginia mountains, it takes about five hours. But uh, <laughs> I, I think it could be a fun one and we'll see how this goes. I, I do think that playing in Huntington is, is pretty difficult. Uh, Jones C. Edwards stadium does get pretty packed. Uh, we'll see if they stripe it out or anything like that for this game. But James Madison, big opponent. I, I hope that the fans uh, in Huntington show up that day. 
look, James Madison's on a roll, and even the way that Marshall's defense is playing lately, I, I lean James Madison over 27.5 team points. And I also think I lean them with the points, uh, minus 3.5. I, I know it's through 3. I know I missed out on 2.5. Bad, uh, you know, I guess bad CLV there, but I, I don't think 3.5 is enough. Uh, James Madison is is dominating teams right now, like scorched earth, not leaving any any evidence behind. Um, so I, I think they run away with this one. All right, and to close it out, one more game. We've talked about uh, three games that are all within three, three and a half points. Nah, not so much this one. SMU, a 20 and a half point road favorite at Temple. And this game carries an over-under of 54 and a half points. It kicks off Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. SMU took a lot of movement in this game. It opened at minus 16. Uh, I looked at that and was like, ah, I don't know if that's right. And then, boom, it's 20 and a half. Yeah, it clearly wasn't right. The market didn't think that way. The under's also been bet down on Tuesday. It dropped from 57 and a half to 54 and a half. Three points. That's not insignificant. Maybe what's to blame for that? Temple quarterback EJ Warner, he missed week seven, and he's going through a concussion protocol. They said he's questionable. Uh, last I saw, it seemed like maybe there was even optimism that he'll play. Uh, the market is not that optimistic. And if you're looking up at, at who his replacement would be, Quincy Patterson was the one that played last week against North Texas' defense. Should be a, a good ease into your first start or a get-right position for a struggling quarterback. But uh, no, Patterson went 12 for 30 for 105 yards. 12 completions for 105 yards. He was at 3.2 yards per attempt. But he did add 113 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So he's a dynamic athlete. He's getting it done that way. Not so much through the air. Uh, this, this offense is very different without Warner because Warner's not 113 and, and one on the ground. He's more of an efficient. I, I mean, look at, uh, what, he threw for like 500 yards and, and five touchdowns against uh, uh, UTSA and, and Temple still didn't cover. Uh, as someone who's holding a Temple plus 14 ticket, that was a that was a terrible push. I hated that. My goodness. Um, and what's partly to blame is the offensive line is just so bad. Their top 10 nationally impressors allowed. SMU's pass rush continues to be really good. They're ranked, they're graded third best, uh, according to PFF there. Edge rusher specifically, Nelson Paul, Elijah Roberts, their third and fourth in pass rush win rate in the American. Dynamic duo on the outside when you have uh, a couple of pass rushers that can get after the quarterback like they can, mixed with a bad offensive line. Now, I don't know. I worry about Warner's uh, safety or whoever's back there. I worry about their safety behind this offensive line. And they really don't have a run game to speak of. They're only at three yards per rush, which is 117th nationally, 99th in rushing success rate. Uh, that's why Warner's throwing the ball 65 times a game. That's just that's that's how it goes there. On the other end, they're also one of the worst passing defenses in the country. They're allowing over 250 pass yards per game. They're 128th in pass EPA, slightly better against the run, and SMU likes to run the ball, surprisingly. I know, we're used to them being a being an air raid system, but um, Preston Stone this year, he's, uh, I don't know, he, he's been kind of disappointing to me, but this could be a stat-padding game for him. Fred, did you say this game opened at like 16, 16 and a half? Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, I, I believe Man. so. And now, and now it's sitting at still just 20 and a half. I don't get it. Uh, first off, watchability scores three point six. I have SMU minus twenty four in this one. Like that, I mean, that's before any news about anything and anyone. So the fact that it opened eight points away from where I have it, that's surprising. Not usually that far off in off the radar games. I mean, or games that have you know the microscope on them. That's that's a long way to be off. So if I'm betting this game, which we all know I'm not. I'm feeling pretty good about taking SMU in the points based on just purely what the model's spitting out and just the absolute 
large discrepancy and crossing some key numbers there too from a betting perspective. So um, this game, you said it, I mean, it's all about the Mustangs for me. With 95% win expectancy, SMU's currently number 42 in the most deserving rankings. They're number 32 in the power ratings. Those are both season highs. SMU is my best G5 team by my numbers. Uh, The offense, ranked number 52. That's the best they've been all year. The defense has been a little concerning of late from an efficiency standpoint. They've they've fallen to a season low number forty two currently, so still still good. It's just they're trending in the wrong direction on that side of the ball. While the offense has been getting better, um, only one game left on the regular season schedule in which my numbers don't favor SMU by at least fourteen and a half points. That's a week twelve trip to Memphis. Uh, I, I make SMU about a four and a half point favorite in that one. So they're favorites the rest of the way, and they're big favorites in every game except for maybe one. Um, for Temple, two and five overall, zero oh and three in conference play. It's been a disappointing campaign. There's really no two ways about that. The Owls are currently number 131 in my most deserving rankings. They're ahead of only UMass and Kent State. Um, Power rating of minus 18.7, corresponding ranking of number 127. Those are both season lows for Temple. The offense is number 113. The defense is a season low, number 128. I mean, you're talking a bottom 10 uh, defensive unit here in FBS. This game is in Philly. Um, SMU, though, should have the advantage, massive advantage, on both sides of the ball. SMU is the favorite in the American by my numbers. They have an 80% chance to make the conference championship game, a 49% chance to win it by my numbers. A win doesn't do much to improve those odds when you're a favorite of this this magnitude. You're expected to win, and the model's not going to improve your chances to achieve different goals based on that. But a shock loss would make it closer to a 50-50 proposition for SMU to even play in the champ game, let alone win it. So not calling for it by any stretch, but it would be very damning to their chances to make it to the American Championship game. Bottom line, I have SMU minus 24, 5% chance that Temple pulls off the upset and puts an end to their current four-game losing streak. And if they want to end their four-game losing streak, the offense is going to have to be the unit that carries them because they've also allowed 40 points in four straight games. And now they played Miami. Um, But then Tulsa, UTSA, and North Texas. Not good. Uh, I'm not saying that UTSA and North Texas are inept offenses. They have very good passing games, especially when Frank Harris is healthy. But I don't know, man. Tulsa, like we talked about it up top. They made Cardell Williams look really good. I don't see how they keep SMU under 35. If no. if SMU shoots themselves in the foot, maybe 30. Uh, but yeah, if they're, if they're going to win this game, uh, it's going to be a race to, to 50 points. That That's kind of how I see this one. Watch, now that it's going to end like 17-14. Uh, it's fine. It's all, it's all right. I think I'd probably still take SMU at the points. You alluded to it. I'm looking at my numbers. I also have 24 and a half uh, is the mm-hmm. spread that I make this. And yours are 24, so I feel pretty good about that. I'd also probably take under... Temple's team total. Uh, that's why I'm willing to lay the points with SMU because I'm also thinking under 17 and a half points for Temple if Warner doesn't go. However, I have not pulled a trigger on that. I'm going to wait and see about a status because what I'd hate to do is pull a trigger on under 17 and a half Warner plays under Warner in the last two games. They've scored 26 and 34 points. So I don't think that'd be a, a good proposition. Uh, like I said, he, he threw for nearly 500 yards and five touchdowns and didn't get the cover against UTSA. So if he's in there, they're going to move the football and get up chunk yards. It's just, you know, how many possessions uh, does SMU have? That's how many touchdowns they're probably going to score in this game. That's, that's just how I see it. Temple's defense, even though metrically they may not be last in the entire country, uh, they certainly play like, like they could be last to me. 
But that'll do it. That's a weeknight slate, about 30 minutes worth, talking about four games here that uh, may be a little bit off people's radars for the casual fans, but not us. Not us. If you enjoyed what you heard, hop on over to our Discord server, and there you can connect with over 4,000 sports betting fans and get live updates in our college football channel. Join a sharp and active community as we commiserate and celebrate amongst each other whether our bets win or lose. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lines YouTube for weekly college football odds and betting videos all season long, just like this one. And subscribe to us on your podcasting app of choice, be it Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We may get a lot of comments down in the, the comment section below. So if you have a lean in any of these games or agree or disagree with us or, or Kelly's model, which seems to be a hot topic on Twitter and here, let us know down in the comments. Kelly, before I close up shop, please let everybody know where they can find your work. For sure. You can find me on X at KFord Ratings, the website kfordratings.com, and then writing some feature articles uh, every week over at thelines.com. That's where you can find all my stuff. Well, thank you so much as always for watching. I'm Brett Gibbons. That is Kelly Ford. We'll see you all next time.